Even when you try to maintain a healthy diet, it can be tough to get all of the nutrients you need for long-term health. Care of makes it super easy and even fun to figure out what vitamins and supplements are best for your diet and lifestyle. Go to takecareof.com and take a short quiz to get your personalized vitamin recommendation. Use offer code AMR at checkout for 50% off your first month of vitamins. Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah in Portland. And this is Dimity hanging out in the big Mile High City. And we have a special guest today who's joining us who's in New York City. That would be um, our first supermodel on the show, probably our first and only. We have um, Christy Turlington Burns, who is the obviously a supermodel married to Ed Burns, the um, filmmaker, and she is here to talk about her running of the New York City Marathon um, in early November, as well as her great organization, Every Mother Counts. So, Dimity, um, I noticed that you described Ed Burns as the filmmaker, and I was telling the kids last night that we were going to have Christy Turlington on, and um, they know who Tyra Banks is because I let them watch America's Next Top Model. I know, I know I'm a terrible mother. And so I <laughs> against said... My, against my better judgment. Yeah. So I said... Um, I said, oh, Phoebe, you know, I said, uh, Chrissy Turlington, I said, she's way bigger than Tyra Banks. And I said, um, in addition to that, she's married to an actor and a director. And Phoebe pauses and goes, she's married to two men? <laughs> it's like, no. I love how kids think. It's awesome. It's awesome. Well, and so... Um- we have the beauty, the beauty of technology in that um, we've already recorded the podcast, and now we're actually doing the introduction and the outro, as it's called in the AMR radio world. Um, and uh, and one thing, I mean, ha- hearing her talk about the New York City Marathon and, and and reading a little bit about her, she was on the back page of Runner's World as I'm a runner, and it just brought brought back so many memories for me. Of my first marathon was the New York City Marathon, my first of two, and um, and it was in '97, and um, and I just, I feel like I could reach back and touch it. Like the, my memories are so vivid of it. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Because when you suggested that we talk about it, I'm like, huh, right. New York City. What, what's a standout memory from that? And now now as we're talking, the, the layers are coming back and images are coming back. So so other than your famous um, God bless Central Park South, Dimity, what? Well, um, well what? it's just, I mean, it's the bridges. I mean, running off over the Veranzano Bridge at the very beginning, I mean, over the water and just the the sound of all, you know, it's a metal bridge, so it's grady, you know, mm-hmm. and um, just the sound of all the footprints and people are throwing off clothes and climbing up poles to take pictures. And I mean, just the, the mass of humanity. And, and, you know, sometimes in races, I get a little bit like, oh, I need my space and, you know, you don't run too close to me, but I don't know. I, I just, I remember it being like a very fluid motion, which it probably wasn't, but I probably didn't mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so I loved, I mean, I love running over any bridge, but that bridge is awesome. Can I interrupt? I have a bridge memory. That's why, um, which was um, when you go across the 59th street bridge, which leads into Manhattan. And um, so I had trained for New York in San Francisco. And so there were, all my runs had hills in them. And I, on the 59th street bridge, I was just passing people like crazy. And I was like, what is up with this? I have I am not picking up my speed at all. And I realized that a lot of people consider that a hill. And compared to San Francisco, I was like, people, this isn't a hill. What are you talking about? <laughs> it was a, it's a long climb though. I mean, I remember is it I think it's like close to three quarters miles or so that you're climbing. I mean, it's definitely a 
a steady climb. Honestly, um, I, and, I, yeah. at the time, I didn't, I mean, it is not like an on-ramp or anything. I mean, to me, it was barely an incline. Um, so I don't oh, know. Oh, to be young and sprightly, huh? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and hill train. Um, yeah. I, and well, the thing about it is too, if you train in New York, I mean, Christy in that, um, in the runner's world thing talks about how she ran up and down the rest or how she runs up and down the West side highway. And as I recall, I could be wrong. So tell me if I'm wrong, but, um, it's not super hilly. Correct. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. there's not a lot of hills in Manhattan. And then, I mean, there are some in central park for sure, but you almost have to do hill repeats to make it kind of a hilly route. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's the issue that, you know, the Floridians have, you know, with no, no, uh, hills, you got to go to a parking garage or a bridge and right. Or and Mary, Mary Broussard, who goes up and down the, um, exit ramp, you know, the ramps at parking garages and things like that. Mary Broussard down in Louisiana, she was the first fan who said, Oh, we go to parking garages and go on their, you know, their ramps. I'm like, really, really? Who thought that yeah. up? <laughs> so, um, I also running and just I remember watching my seeing my watch go to one hour and feeling like I hadn't run at all because you know I mean I did I followed I think it was a New York Road Runners training plan uh-huh. and it was you know just a basic finish a marathon plan and I followed it you know to the T oh, and good for you. tapered good. really well mm-hmm. and it was just so nice to have it you know to get to one hour and be like oh my gosh I've already gone you know six miles and it, it doesn't even feel like I've run at all I mean mm-hmm. obviously by the time I hit 18 or 20, I definitely felt it. But, um, but yeah, those, I mean, those are the two things. It's the bridges and the crowds and the, um, and the choirs up in Harlem were amazing yeah. and through, um, Williamsburg where a lot of Hasidic Jewish people live. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they, they're all dressed in these beautiful woolen coats. I mean, you know, cause they're dressed It's Sunday morning, they're dressed beautifully and they've got their little ringlets and things. And, it was very interesting because they don't, they didn't clap at all. See, that's, but they all that's, just... that's what I totally remember. I remember thinking, people, this is the New York City Marathon. Pay attention. And I just remember thinking they were just going about their day. Like they weren't even lining the course uh, when, when I went through there. Oh, no, they definitely, people, pay attention. What, what, what if it was a golf tournament in your neighborhood, but you're not interested? I mean, would you go watch it? But, but I mean, it's stopping traffic. I mean, it, you, I don't know. It would be like if a, if a whole, like, parade was going down. I mean, it is like a parade and just not even turning. I mean, it just seemed. Yeah, um, yeah I got the sense that, that they were definitely watching. But uh-huh. um, Oh, I, I remember. Um, see, I ran it in um, 99. 998 one or the other and that um uh so there it was not as big as it is now and also the crowds weren't as as um heavy as they are now and um so I met uh, my, with my friend Stacy that I write about in I believe I write about that in Run Like a Mother and she was going to run part of she was okay she was going to jump into the race and run part of it with me and she had hooked up with my friend Vicky who and so they met me up in Harlem and there was no one out I mean it was just Vicky and Stacy standing on a street corner and Stacy just hops off the curb and starts running with me. And then about a block later, I'm like, we just left Vicky back there by herself. Like, how's Vicky going to get home? And, and what, I don't know. It just seemed so like we didn't even say goodbye to her practically. We just started running. You know, there we were. Bye. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah, so she has excite an exciting time coming up on uh, November. I think it's November 4th that New York is. So anyway, well, yeah, exactly. So Christy, when did you start running? 
Um, I guess I started running as a kid, actually. I just didn't keep it up until until my 40s, which is where I am now. Um, I sort of rediscovered running last year when I was training for my first marathon. But, you know, I keep thinking in all those hours that I'm running now, again, to train for my second marathon, that the running has been kind of with me for a long time. And um, I I ran some track when I was, when I was really young. Um, my dad had three little girls and so he wanted us all to be athletic and so he used to take us to a, um, a local university and we all ran 100 yard dashes and 50 yard dashes and ran you know pretty regularly for a long time and then we're involved in sports where we were running um, through sort of middle school nice nice did you beat your sisters um, I think I was the faster of the three of us uh, <laughs> that now, but I, I'm also the tallest. And I think, um, you know, that can work for you and against you. I think when I was young, I, I kind of got gangly for a while, but I could run, I could run longer dis- distance than they could, um, when we were, when we were young and healthy competition between sisters <laughs> kept us moving, kept us, uh, not fighting. <laughs> exactly. Well, so that's a good, actually, let's just get this out of the way because, so I'm almost six, four and Sarah's what, like five, 10, five, 11. Yeah. Five, 11. Oh, wow. So we're both pretty tall as well. And yeah, right. right. Christy's, the, Christy's the short, the shrimp among us. Yeah. <laughs> I always get that you have such long legs, you know, you should be able to run faster. And I feel like, you know, I, I'm a slim person, but my legs weigh a lot, you know, like I don't get the, you know, I mean, I don't know. Do you get that a lot? Like, oh, you, you, your legs can go so much faster than mine because they're longer. It's funny. Yeah, I feel like it's harder for me to, you know, to do a lot of other sports because of my long legs. I feel like now that I've been training for a longer distance, I feel like it kind of does serve, like it kind of, it kind of works to my advantage. But I feel like most other things, my legs have gotten in the way. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, now you just question, you just, you know... Uh, squash my argument. Christy Turlington no, no, no. said my legs should be able to go faster. No, that's okay. Um, and the other thing is they they um, they are heavy. Like even when I walk, it's probably just me. It's not so much that I have long legs. I'm a heavy-footed like walker. Like that's my gait is just a little bit heavier. So that's also an interesting thing, you know, with all these miles. It's a, it's a different way. Like I've been trying to just really focus on being a little bit lighter than, than my general gait. Um, which I'm quite aware, even as a, as a model, you know, walking on a runway, people could kind of tell when I was coming because I had a little bit of <laughs> a heavy, <laughs> a heavy they turn and look. That's what happens to me when I'm running. People turn and look from like a hundred yards away. Like, is that an elephant coming? No, no, it's just a <laughs> Coming through. Oh my goodness. So how is your, how is your training going for the ING New York city marathon? I think it's going all right. Um, I'm getting, I'm starting to get that slightly stressed to that slightly stressed place of the weeks are getting shorter and oh my gosh, it's coming again. It's like, I I always liken this running training to giving birth and I'm sure I'm not the first or the last who can make that um, analogy, but it really does. It's like, you know, I wanted to have a second child, even though I'd gone through the first experience and it, you know, it was so intense. And this is the same kind of thing. I'm like, oh gosh, right. There's only one way to get through this. Uh, You just got to go, right? Exactly. I got, I I got a little bit off my training because I, I 
went to uh, Tanzania at the end of August, and it's a trip that I'd planned for a year, to bringing my family for the first time. So it wasn't a work trip. It was like a, a family, you know, bring them to Africa and have this be a, an introduction to hopefully many more trips as a family. Um, so I couldn't run. We were doing a safari, and we were moving around a lot, and you kind of they discourage running in the game parks. <laughs> <laughs> good, speed, good, good speed work. You know, you got to get away from a, a lion or something like that. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I, I feel like I, I was doing pretty well. And then that two and a half weeks made me feel like, oh, gosh, it's like starting over. But the climate is starting to turn a little bit here on the East Coast. And I feel like that's going to make me feel a bit better. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've got a, a long run coming up this weekend, and I'm going to try to get 15 in. And then I, I think psychologically I'll feel a little bit better, but I've been kind of working my way back to that place that I was before I left. So you took at no running, no exercise during that two and a half weeks that you were in Tanzania. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. You guys are like, that's not good. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, last year, didn't you, when you did the, your first New York City Marathon, I was we were reading on runnersworld.com, we admit we cheated a little, we saw that you didn't start training until August. So, you know, you did it right. last year, basically, with, and at least this year, you had a good base going into it. That's true. That's true. I, I have, I have kept up running, not to the extent that I was running, you know, when I was training last year, and I wasn't sure when I finished last year that I would be running again. Um, you know, I, I didn't want to make any judgments. I thought, I know there's a lot of people who do it, and that's one and done, and they're, they're done. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I love the experience of training so much that I thought I really want to keep this running in my life. Um, it just made it slightly different not having the goal. Um, so we had a mild winter in New York last year and I ran at least a couple of days a week, you know, from the time that I finished the marathon just to keep it just in case. And then we had, um, the chance to run it again, uh, because the IMG marathon has been incredible, incredibly generous with us in terms of, you know, being a new charity on the block, um, and letting us, you know, get some spots in there. And this year, you know, we've gone from having a team of 10 last year to having a team of almost 50 this year. Wow. So I kind of wanted to have the experience one more time, at least I'm, I'll never say never, mm -hmm. but, uh, at least one more time where we have this larger presence and where, you know, I, I know what I'm getting myself into a little bit more. I mean, just to, to have a better sense of what it is to, to run a marathon and to know what the, you know, to know what the course is and to, you know, I, there, there's just a little bit that I'd like to, you know, experience a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you have any time goals for, for their second round or you just want to kind of run it better? I mean, I know you said you like you walked at least once last time and which is fine. We are totally fine walking in a marathon. Let's make that clear. But, um, you know, you hit the wall. I mean, do you have a different strategy going in this time? You know, I really like to, I, I mean, last year I was trying not to say the goal, but I, in my mind, I was really hoping to get as close to four hours as possible. And I was at 420. Mm -hmm. um, and so people were like, oh, that's great for a first marathon. Da, 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 da. But I, I would like to, I'd like to beat my time. I certainly would. How much so? I don't know. I mean, I, I again, I would love to get to as close as four as possible. And I was hoping that, you know, running, throughout the year would get me a little bit closer. Um, but I was just complaining that my five mile run today, I was running a, a nine and a half minute mile and it was kind of hot today. And I was like, uh Oh, that's not good. It's only five minutes. Uh, so I'm not giving myself a lot of pressure. I'm hoping that again, the climate changing a little bit more and I can start to do some faster runs, um, you know, in the next month. 
but somewhere between where I was and four would be would be great. That'd be nice. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So so you alluded to your charity in uh, talking about the marathon. So tell us about Every Mother Counts and its mission, why you founded it, and how running fits into it. Okay, great. Um, well, I I when I had my first child nine years ago almost, um, I experienced a childbirth complication. Um, actually, actually, it was after I delivered her, um, but I didn't sort of progress to the fourth stage of labor, and it, you know, a very empowering experience turned into a, a, a kind of scary one fairly quickly. And while I got great care, I was in a birthing center and had, you know, a midwife and a nurse and an obstetrician who was backing the team and like a real team work on me once, once I needed that care. Um, I live in Manhattan, you know, I was in a hospital or a birthing center in a hospital. So I I had access to care. Um, so everything was managed, but in the weeks or so afterwards, when I was trying to understand why that complication happened, and there's no real reason or explanation, but when I was trying to figure out why me and how did that happen and how often does it happen and, you know, what other scenarios can occur, um, I kind of stumbled upon the information that, you know, hundreds of thousands of women were dying from the same complication and a handful of others, um, but to the tune of half a million women per year. Mm. Um, but then almost all of those deaths were preventable. And so I started, you know, once I learned that I, you know, got a little bit, you know, shocked and, and wanted to know more. And the more that I found out, the more that I felt like, wow, you know, something has to be done about this. People weren't talking about it. Mm. Um, you know, I had no idea. And I thought, you know, well, I know that it's scary to to become a mom the first time for a number of reasons, and and childbirth being one of those you know scary things that people are are a bit apprehensive about throughout their pregnancy. I thought you know we should know more about what the potentials are afterwards um, because I think again that information and that knowledge is really empowering. Mm-hmm. So. Once I learned this information, I I, um, I had an opportunity to travel with a, a humanitarian organization that works a bit on maternal health, and I traveled down to Central America with them when I was pregnant with my son a year or so later. And um, I guess I was about six and a half months pregnant when I visited a rural community in El Salvador, which is where my mom is from, so it's a country that I'm pretty familiar with. But we were in this rural area, and... I was spending some time with other women who were either pregnant or had just had their babies, but they were in this this village to collect clean water from the water project that, that CARE was was uh, putting together for them. And I think it's it was there really that I that I had that that aha moment of you know had I had the complication I'd had with my first child in this community, I most likely would have died. I, you know, they were from a, a, a city or a, you know, a proper hospital. Um, most people didn't have electricity. There were no paved roads, you know, access to clean water was even, that was, you know, a walking, um, a, a large walking distance. Since 2011, BarkBox has been committed to making dogs happy. For humans, BarkBox is a delivery of four to six natural treats and super fun toys curated around a surprise theme each month. For dogs, BarkBox is like the joy of a million belly scratches. Bark boxes include all-natural treats and innovative toys to match a dog's unique needs, including allergies and heavy chewer preferences. Not a phrase I say every day. Dimity's dog Mason, an energetic Weimaraner, is eagerly awaiting his first bark box. Dimity let BarkBox know the breed, size, and even name of her dog, as well as the all-important chewing preferences. And now, on the 15th of each month, a new box will get shipped to Mason. 
Each monthly box is themed, like Country Fair or Brooklyn Hipster, with new and unique toys to keep dogs engaged, interested, and happy. If your pooch doesn't like something in the box, BarkBox promises to send something they'll love for free, because BarkBox is all about dog happiness. Choose a plan. One, six, or 12-month plans are available. Cancel any time. Free shipping in the continental U.S. For a free extra month when you subscribe to a 6- or 12-month plan of BarkBox, visit BarkBox.com AMR. That's BarkBox.com AMR. Woof! Thanks to StoryWorth for supporting our podcast. StoryWorth is a subscription service started by a fellow who wanted families to be able to share their memories and anecdotes with each other. Here's how it works. Purchase a StoryWorth subscription for someone you love, and each week, StoryWorth sends that loved one an email with a question about his or her life. The person either replies with his or her story via email or records it by phone by calling a StoryWorth number. After a year, the stories are bound in a lovely hardcover keepsake book. My husband Jack and I gifted StoryWorth to his dad, and we're especially looking forward to hearing his tales about going to medical school in Dublin, Ireland, which is where Jack was born and spent the first four years of his life. Then we'll share the book with Jack's siblings. For $20 off, visit StoryWorth.com AMR when you subscribe. That's storyworth.com slash AMR. And it just got me to sort of think, you know, okay, I, I, I want to do something about this. I want to do something on this issue. And I think I can relate to women um, who have had issues or complications, but also women who have access issues. And so I came home and I had a, a, a great delivery with my second and no complications. And then I came back to the NGO and I said, you know, what can I do? How can I help? And so I started to, you know, educate myself and get a little bit of education from them too. And, um, that inspired me to, to want to make a documentary film because I saw a success story in Peru, um, a year or so later and where they reduced maternal mortality in half in a fairly short amount of time. And in seeing how they were able to do that with fairly low cost solutions, you know, just really treating women, um, humanely in most cases, inviting them to deliver in the ways that they do, whether that's in, you know, vertically in a traditional way for, um, indigenous women or, um, to have more people around them. If it's traditional for them to have, you know, family support, which, you know, is the kind of birth that I chose too. Um, and, and so I wanted to sort of document that and make that connection for women, you know, women in the West who feel so different from women in other countries, um, but to show that this is common ground, that, you know, birth is a universal experience and that women, no matter where you live, you know, go through it. And, and, and while some women are more vulnerable than others, um, someone like myself, who wasn't, you know, obviously vulnerable, mm-hmm. was also vulnerable in that, in that experience. And so the documentary is called No Woman, No Cry. Um, and I started making that in 2008 and finished it in 2010. We traveled to Tanzania, Bangladesh, um, Guatemala, and here in the U.S., just examining barriers to women accessing healthcare. Mm-hmm. And one of the overriding barriers that I just, in every country, there was some aspect of was the transportation barriers and, and, and how distance is such a huge um, challenge and obstacle for so many women to access healthcare or providers in a timely way or just even, you know, earlier on, you know, antenatally. Um, and so when we got the opportunity to run the New York City Marathon, you know, there are loads of organizations who run the marathon and use it as a fundraising um, opportunity. And that's all great. And, and it, it makes sense for pretty much everybody. But 
us, it became this really um, perfect way for us to communicate that distance is such a critical barrier and that 26.2 miles is an average distance for a woman in a rural developing country or even in the United States for that matter these days um, uh, to be that far from a, a hospital if you need emergency care and if you have a postpartum hemorrhage which is really what I was on my, my what, what I was experiencing after delivering my daughter um, a woman can bleed to death in an hour wow. so hmm. 6.2 miles is a, is a really it's a good number to get your head around what 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 it what sort of you know what women have to go through to get care when they need it and then you know we also thought you know okay a marathon's a, a huge goal and a lot of people think I could never do that and I think you guys do such a great great job of encouraging people to to come in at whatever level they are or just to you know start small and build up to some goal like this but I think we got a lot of people to want to run just in solidarity with what we were trying to do um, in running the marathon for the first time to sort of you know share our mission as an organization and every mother counts is really you know it's it's the organization that I started when I finished the film to to engage new audiences to sort of mm-hmm. share the information and give people an opportunity to participate because most women and most moms particularly um, you know this issue resonates once they learn about it and they they mostly say what can I do and how can I help and this is just one of those ways that we invite people to take action you know that Using your voice, or getting out there and 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 running for other women, running running to to illustrate challenges that other women go through. Um, it's a great way to to bring us together, and and our goal is really to to bring people together because we think that you know we can make childbirth um, safer for for most women, and we can do a better job. But we we need to kind of work together to do that. That's awesome. That's awesome, Christy. So I mean, so what? So the funds that you guys raised through the marathon and other other um avenues what what do you do like i mean how do you make bridge that distance make it smaller or somehow help them get the care that they need well you know focusing we 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 were focusing on on a couple of different areas you know when i when i think about this issue you know there's so much we can do preventatively um to support women and and that could be you know in education of um midwives or um you know, community health workers in a, in a number of places. But all, and so we've done a lot of supporting of those kinds of, of initiatives to train trainers and to train um, providers. Um, but then the other part is education and, you know, family planning, for example, um, is a huge, uh, it's, it's one of the best ways we know how to prevent um, needless deaths that are related to pregnancy and childbirth. Um, you know, the large number, the probably 60% of maternal deaths that take place in the world occur um, girls or women that are aged 15 to 19. So girls that are getting pregnant too early, not choosing to be pregnant, not choosing marriage at such a young age, and, and their bodies are underdeveloped or they're malnourished and they're not able to deliver the babies that they are carrying. So, you know, obstructed labor is, is one of, you know, the worst scenarios because what happens is oftentimes the baby dies and then the mother either will die or if she gets it or she it's really critical that she gets to care so that she can, you know, have, you know, a C-section to deliver that baby or, um, you know, just to make sure that she survives as well. So um, one of the things that we're doing with the fundraising we've done for this particular initiative has been to really focus on the transport because everything's really been about transport with this, with this effort. And we've chosen a handful of 
programs in different countries that are, um, you know, high burden countries or states, as it were, in the United States. And we're trying to support those initiatives um, that have gaps. You know, so the transport barrier, um, let's say, in Uganda, which is where we've started a partnership um, with the State Department and um, uh, initiative from Merck called Merck for Mothers and the American College of OB-GYNs um, called Saving Mothers Giving Life. And we've chosen a piece of that to support, and that's to provide transport vouchers so that if women need them, they're not going to be deterred um, by not having a ride or not being able to afford transportation to see a clinician or a midwife or a nurse. And so that's really been our main focus for the time being is to, is to make it easier for women to access care and services at any stage. I mean, preferably on the earlier side because we can prevent a lot more if we know what a woman's health is throughout her pregnancy. Um, but if need be and it's when she delivers because there's an emergency, um, that's an important piece too. But again, you know, training, um, education, and transport have been um, a particular focus for Every Mother Counts thus far. And we're still trying to identify all of the programs in the five countries that we've selected. Um, there are so many problems in so many different countries and trying to find the best way for us to, to um, you know, be an added um, an added support or a, a filler of a, of a gap that is maybe too small for a larger organization to be able to fill. And it's a way for us to connect the constituency that we're trying to build of support um, to communities so we can continue to have a relationship with communities that we, um, that we connect with and that we can support and report back that, that our efforts are making a difference in the lives of other women. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. And um, talk to us a little bit about why 5K races and why the 5K distance has such special resonance for every mother counts. Well, in the way that the 26.2 is probably the average distance to a hospital that could provide emergency obstetric care, 5K is the minimum distance that a woman has to walk to get care. So in film No Woman No Cry, we start out in Tanzania with a, a woman who's three or four weeks past her due date. And she's on her third child, and she walks five miles to the clinic where we met her. And then they check on her for a little while, and they don't have space for her, and they can't really tell what's going on. So they send her back, and she walks back five miles to her. Oh, wow. wow. She's three or four weeks overdue, and she's walking five miles. So she walks 10 miles. No, yeah, I thought, okay, uh, six miles, yeah. Exactly. And so when, when we saw this happen, um, you know, first of all, you have to think about just the practical part of what it's to be living in sub-Saharan Africa when you're a woman. You know, you don't get to take the day off when you're pregnant. <laughs> you know, you <laughs> you go about your normal day and collecting the water and providing for your kids and collecting firewood. And so for her, not only is that a ridiculous amount of time to walk to get to see a provider of any kind, it also keeps her from doing her work that she can't do. There's nobody else there to do. So it's really, on so many levels, it's, it's, not, it's not okay. Um, on top of that, what it sends is a message that, you know, why go get care? Because if they can't see me or can't take care of me, why bother? I'm just mm-hmm. going to sit on the top of my hill and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray to God and hope that it all works out. And, and you know, those are circumstances that I think most people kind of would never consider until you, you know, have the chance to watch it play out or 
know, think about putting your feet in the shoes of another woman. So our motto has sort of become with running the marathon that one of the reasons we're running or the main reason we're running is so that other women don't have to walk. Um, and so there's just a, it just makes sense on a lot of levels, break it down in that way to make, to make something that might seem, uh, you know, just so far away and so other than our experience is more real. The other thing is, you know, I drove in the back of the car when I was going up to my birthing center um, in New York City for 20 minutes maybe to get there, but while in, you know, pretty advanced stages of labor, and it was excruciating. Right. So, <laughs> I remember that so well. Oh, that, it's mis- like don't don't put don't touch the brakes. Don't no no don't do that. Don't turn. Yeah, we had Get to go. There. We had to go over speed bumps on this one road near our house to get to the hospital, and my husband was going so fast toward them. I'm like, you slow down. You are not going to take that speed bump at this speed. Ended up giving Janet, the woman I'm talking about, a ride when she ultimately had to go to get transferred to the um, to the facility 35 kilometers away. And that ride was a really rough ride. It was about an hour in the back of a van. And, um, you know, she just bounced the oh. whole way there. I think it actually helped bring on her labor. But... Um, excruciating and everybody who sees the film you could just feel every woman who's been pregnant and had to be moved while in labor watching her and just like you know white knuckling the the seats in the theater so yeah I mean it's a very visceral thing that you know the film has really helped to put pictures and faces on these statistics and then I think in a different way the marathon's been equally as effective in kind of galvanizing that like you know, it, it, it's going to take more of us. Let's do this together. And in my doing this and my, my, my sort of commitment to my own health, to my own goals, to, to other women, um, it's made a, it's, it's made a, a real impact, I think, in, in getting our message to engage new audiences and to kind of, you know, get, gain support for this issue. Awesome. Wow. Um, not to be not to be crass and change the topic a little bit, but I mean you're known as you know you're yoga known for your yoga, and I was just curious how how running, how marathon training, how's that affected your yoga practice? You know, it's interesting for for I've been doing yoga for 25 years or so, and um, I, I miss it because <laughs> I I have time to do both. I'm finding sort of a thing that I that I enjoy about yoga in running, and it sort of surprised me a little bit. I mean, I I've known people for years that really have loved um, long distance running, and they've explained they've described that experience as being very much the way I would describe my meditation and yoga practice. And so I've kind of found that, and I've just sort of discovered this over time with a lot of different things. But everybody has their own yoga. I mean, yoga is union. It's not. Or getting closer to oneself and one's, you know, one's, you know, ideals and aspirations and all of those things. So you can kind of find yoga in almost anything that you do. But I've really found, like, I I run without music. I run by myself most of the time, and I found that there's something really meditative about it. And so, um, while it's a different physical practice, there's very much um, the same kind of mental practice, and I think mental benefit and spiritual benefit actually that's come from it. Um, I, I do miss it, and I do think that yoga is a great complement to to um, running. Mm-hmm. I feel like I need it too because there's so much that I do in yoga that you see as you know runner stretches that are really yoga postures. I mean, most of the lunging posture, um, stretching, all of that kind of comes from from hatha yoga postures. So I feel like I need those poses more than ever. It's just been hard to find. You know, I've never spent so much time doing anything. 
<laughs> physically. <laughs> Doing both is kind of hard because it's a commitment to yoga. It's usually a you know couple of hours or an hour and a half, and um, you know there's only so many hours you have in a day. An hour of running, yeah. 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 Well, so do you, I mean, are you a, are you a morning runner, Christy? Is that how you fit it in, or what's wait, what's your best? You know, because I'm you know that your schedule is is pretty jam packed. Not an early riser and I never have been. So my day sort of starts once I drop my kids at school and I oftentimes will, you know, get ready so that I can't delay afterwards so that I can go straight from school and that's what I did today. So most days that's what that's what I've been doing. Um, and then, you know, when it gets to the longer ones, I've been doing those on weekends, which last year was great because my husband um, was working on a film outside of New York and he was only home on the weekend. So I didn't have any guilt whatsoever walking out the door and being gone for two and a half hours. I knew that they wanted to see him more than they wanted to see me and I could go <laughs> off and run. This year it might be a little trickier and I, I'm trying to figure out how once the runs get longer, if I'd be doing those on the weekends or, or during the week. Um, but it is really hard to, to balance. And that was a big deterrent for me for a long time. I think, I think in my mind, I've always thought, wouldn't it be great to run a marathon one day? But the older I got, the busier I got, the busier I got, the less time I had. And I thought, how would I ever, you know, put that time in? So, I mean, for me, it's been great having this be so connected to my work because I can justify it. <laughs> you know, I, most of our team members are, are people that are already on our Every Mother Counts team, whether, you know, in our small staff or, um, you know, the producer of No Woman, No Cry, her husband, um, our assistant editor of the film, like friends of mine from my neighborhood who've been supportive from the very beginning of making this film that kind of have known what we've, what we've been doing. So we all run together and we all feel like we can, we can justify, you know, maybe taking a little bit later of a run or leaving work a little bit early to get our runs in. And, you know, we're all supportive of that here. Takes a village to build mother runner, right? (laughs) Yeah. And unfortunately we have run out of time. This is, I, I feel like we could just sit here and chat, chat, chat the whole time, but we only have 30 minutes. So, um, so Christy, thank you so much for joining us. It was really um, wonderful to hear you talk about Every Mother Counts and about what running means to you. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's been great. It's always so cool to hear about people doing such great things like that. I mean, I feel like we as mothers can just relate on such a visceral level. I mean, we were kind of, you know, joking about our, you know, 10 minute rides with our not so sensitive husbands to the hospital. Meanwhile, she's talking about, you know, like a woman sitting in the back of a Jeep going over rutted, you know, roads if they are even roads. I mean, yeah. So gosh, what perspective that gives you. Um, Mm -hmm. And and we weren't able to chime in very much, mostly because we wanted to give Christy um, the time to explain everything um, for Every Mother Counts, which you can find at everymothercounts.org. Um, but also because our Skype was going a little weird. And so, um, so we just wanted to make sure that we weren't, um, interrupting and talking over each other and having it go in and out. So you could hear her mellifluous voice, um, cause you always know where to find ours. <laughs> right, Sarah? Right, right. And that's my cue to tell you where to find us. We're on Facebook at Run Like a Mother, the book. Our website is anothermotherrunner.com. We're on Twitter. I'm at SBS on the run and she's at Dimity on the run. And if you like our podcast we think you'll love our books run like a mother and train like a mother they're both available on amazon.com we look forward to talking with you next time many happy miles